right? So meditation is is really just a not doing. Yeah. You know, and it's and so then then it's a just it's a discovery of what's there before you do anything, uh, and and then what you discover is before you do anything, like get anxious, uh, or whatever else you might be doing, mm-hmm. all there is is just peaceful awareness, mm-hmm. and and then and what starts to feel so ecstatic about that, you know, and pleasurable about it is because you realize, oh, this peaceful awareness that I'm resting into like a feather is not something i'm generating right it's it's something that's always there whether i'm aware of it or not it's always there and that's what starts to give you this sense of deep peace and relaxation because it's like oh you start to realize it's okay everything's okay everything's okay and that's what we need now in, in a challenge like this we Hi everyone, from aboutmeditation.com, this is the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and your health. So today, I am delighted to bring you a short interview and guided meditation from one of my former mentors, Jeff Carrera. He is a meditation teacher and spiritual teacher and all-around extraordinary guy he is a lot of fun he's a wonderful teacher and i couldn't be more delighted to have him on the podcast this is the second time he's been on the show and a little bit of context for today's episode i recorded this with jeff back in march right when the pandemic was sweeping through the united states And we're obviously still in the middle of it, but it was just sort of picking up pace and everyone was awakening to the fact that this was happening. And the climate of fear and anxiety and uncertainty was really just pressing in on all of us as a new thing. Obviously, it's kind of our new normal. So I think that will help just position this in time and the interview with Jeff or this recording was part of a series called Finding Equanimity Amid Uncertainty. And that was a series of interviews and guided meditations I did with thought leaders. And I'll be sharing those with you in the upcoming episodes. And just to say, Jeff is one of the best teachers I've ever worked with. His guided meditations are wonderful. I encourage you just to totally let go. You're going to love this. You're going to love, I think, Jeff's buoyant spirit and his his really deep transmission. And he's going to take you on a journey into your own depths. So I encourage you to really let go. And finally, I just want to say I was using during that interview kind of a so-so mic. That's reflected. We did it over Zoom. So the the mic quality is just so-so. Jeff's quality is great. So the guided meditation quality is really wonderful. But heads up, my my microphone quality is just so-so. Not up to the usual standards of the show. But I think you'll like it anyways. All right. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. So welcome, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Finding Equanimity 
amid uncertainty. And today I am delighted to have my old mentor, Jeff Carrera, here with us today. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Morgan. It's great to be here. Um, as many of you may know, Jeff is a meditation teacher and a spiritual teacher. He's a contributor at aboutmeditation.com. And I'm assuming most of you read Jeff's bio uh, when you registered. So I'm not going to recapitulate that. And so given we have some limited time, Jeff, I'd love to just jump right in. I want to ask you a few questions, then hand it off to you to, to lead us through a guided meditation. And then uh, after that, take some questions. How, how's that sound to you? Sounds fantastic to me. Awesome. So one thing, Jeff, I feel like knowing you as long as I have for 25 years or whatever, one, one thing you're always pretty amazing at is providing fresh and helpful perspectives on new and challenging situations. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's one reason why I thought it'd be great for you to to chat with everyone today and to share your perspectives. And, and in particular, you recently hosted a, a webinar. And in the lead up to that webinar, you, you, you said, and I quote, a challenge of the magnitude we are facing now opens humanity to new possibilities. In these times, we are faced with a choice to recoil in fear or open in hope. Many people are choosing to open, and what they're finding is that new potentials are awakening for us, both indiv individually and culturally. And you said, I want to explore the true opening and opportunity of this moment in history. And, and I wondered if you could, can you just unpack that for us, like speak to it, what, what new potentials are you seeing in this moment, and, and what mm -hmm. perspectives are yielding hope? Well, let's, you know, there's probably all kinds. Yeah. Of, you know, it's a, it's a lot to unpack. Um, so let me use a couple of examples that we right. can make it concrete. Um, right. So this is an interesting one. I live in Philadelphia, so this is an interesting one here. Uh, my wife works in the school system, and of course now the schools are closed, the kids right. are home. Um, and so when the kids went home, uh, there was a movement within the school system, you know, to like, okay, we should get some online classes up. And was like, yeah, that's a great idea. We could do that. You know, we have, yeah. we have the technology, but then there was the realization that 45% of the kids in Philadelphia don't actually have internet access. Wow. So, so that means according to law, the laws of equal access, you can't, they said, okay, we can't do online education because not every kid can do it. And, and by law, we have to give equal access to education. So, so then there was a day, you know, all this happened fast. It was one day, yay, we're going to do this. And then the next yeah. day, oh, we can't do this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then the third day was, was, and I don't know if it was exactly a day, but it was pretty fast. The third day, um, the president of Comcast donated $5 million worth of tablets wow. so that every kid in Philadelphia would have access uh, to a computer. And then the city took the school buses, which are currently not running because no one's going to school, and they're parking them in neighborhoods that don't have, where, where families don't tend to have internet access, and they're making hotspots for the neighborhoods. So they're mobilizing. So when you see something like that, that's, that's amazing. It's an example of you like, yeah. oh, you see what we could do when we actually have to? <laughs> no. 
Of course, people, people are saying, and it's true, that 45% of kids didn't have internet three weeks ago either. But, you know, it didn't come up. <laughs> yeah. you know, some people were concerned about it, but it, it yeah. wasn't. But in the press, under the pressure of this crisis, we're seeing things that are, are getting us to mobilize right. in ways that, that uh, not only solve the immediate problem, but they show us potentials. They show us, wow, look what we can do. You know? And uh, another, another way I like to talk about this is in the, you know, in the 1960s, I believe, maybe 70s, the first lunar walk uh, was a globally televised event. Mm. And <clears throat> there's a great movie called The Dish. It's an Australian movie. Since everyone's home, you can watch it. Yeah. Uh, but it's all about the fact that uh, leading up to this moment, they realized at the time of the lunar walk, there wasn't going to be any way, there wasn't going to be any radar dish in the Northern Hemisphere, which is where they were all set up that could televise it. And they, had, they only could find one dish in the Southern Hemisphere big enough to do it. And it was one in New Zealand in a sheep paddock. Uh, and so the story is about how they got that up and running and made it work. Yeah. But the bigger part of the story was about that moment when so many people around the world for five minutes all knew that they were watching the same event that everybody else around the world was watching and mm. the kind of global consciousness that that uh, ignited. And I've right. been thinking about the, this COVID-19 virus, and this is like weeks on end yeah. of the whole world watching the same event, yeah. knowing that we're, we're in something together. And it, it's going to have an effect on how we see ourselves. Uh, Absolutely. This, you know, yeah. so... No question. So I would say those are kind of two examples of, of uh, just, you know, and, and of course there's hundreds of those. Right. Right. But somehow right. our, there's no way that we as a species get through an event of this magnitude and not have it change anything. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And, and what I like to tell people is, how positive the change is going to depend on us. Right. You know, what are we making of this? What are we going to make of it on the other end? You know, there's no guarantee that the change will be positive, but it certainly can be. The, the, that's what I mean when I say there's opportunity. There's reason to be hopeful. You know, people are, are, are going to be thinking differently, open to thinking differently. Mm -hmm. And the question is going to be what new thoughts are going to get put in that openness. Right. You know, and how valuable will they be? And yeah, and the fact that a lot of these things are contagious. Once you start a movement uh, like that of positivity, then it's like, oh, I could do that. Right, exactly. And like, well, why do we want, you know, because if, if you come to a place where you experience some larger scale cooperation and the power of that mm. to, to, to make positive change, why would you want to go back to not cooperating? Right. You know, so that, that's my hopeful and optimistic view of all this so yeah it, it kind of reminds when you were talking about the school school bus example it reminded me of that quote i don't know where it might have come from our old teacher or i can't remember but it was like pressure creates diamonds and there's yeah. there's a certain there's this there's a situation right now where we're all 
experiencing this sort of ambient pressure and, and it's non-local, it's coming from all directions. It's, as you said, it's completely universal. So there's obviously implicit in that there's a certain energy, right? And then I feel like what you're saying is then, okay, what are we going to do with that energy? Cause it's coming in. But as, as was reflected in that quote, we have a choice. So we're either going to back up in fear mm -hmm. or, you know, I think what you're pointing to, which I think is a, a critical perspective in all this, we actually have a choice to do something completely different. So absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really good. What, so yeah. What else have you seen in this vein or, or how, how have you seen your either like daily practice or your behaviors or your kind of showing up in the world? Like what, so what has changed for you in this, if anything, yeah, I mean, what I notice in myself, yeah, which is, which is nice, is how uh, how not affected I've been mm. in a in a positive sense. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm aware of what's going on, and, and I'm doing all the things you're supposed to do. You know, I'm washing my hands, and I'm not touching anything, and I'm sterilizing my shoes when I come in the house. You know, I'm doing the things that you're supposed to do, and I'm listening to all the best practices, advices, and I'm doing them. But I don't find, I, I find I'm incredibly relaxed yeah. around all, all of it. You know, this, because, of course, I'm relaxed around all the things that are not in my control. Right. Right? So, so th it doesn't really help you to relax, to, to get anxious about things that aren't in your control. So if you're paying attention to the things that are in your control and you know that you're doing them, then you can just relax about the rest because it's, it's not in your control anyway. So there's no reason to worry about it. Right. Um, and so I'm finding this really, yeah, just a time of, uh, I'm feeling a lot of ease really. And, mm. and seeing the benefit I'm, I'm yeah. aware, you know, I think we're all experiencing benefit, but, how aware you are of those is going to depend on how much of your attention is available for that, how much of it is not being consumed by anxious thoughts so that we can start to see, and we are all seeing, that everyone slowing down is having positive effects. Right. You, know, you hear things, you know, dolphins returning to places they haven't swam in decades, and right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can just feel it in yourself that there's an ease of being. Mm and a different sense of the passage of time, which mm. there's an aspect of that that feels very healthy yes. and positive. And so hopefully that's another, some of those experiences will also be things that we might not want to give up after this. We might not want to go back to the same frantic, frenetic pace of life uh, that we were living before. We might, we might realize we don't have to move so fast. Yes. I, I, have you seen some of these, uh, quite a few articles eschewing this whole idea of the achievement culture and just saying, Hey, this is not necessarily a time to get more done. This is not, you know, and, and, and to the, I think exactly in the spirit of what you're saying, some people are just saying, Hey, this is a completely unique moment, right? right. All, all these threads are coming undone that coil us so tight all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just getting, it's just unwinding, right? So there's this, right. there's this opportunity to, okay, maybe we can let go with, of this sort of cultural drive to do, 
all the time, right? And I know, I know for myself, in in much the vein that you're speaking about, this sort of surprising, but the simplicity, the enjoyment of the simplicity of being, has just dawned on me multiple times. Like in the face of anxiety, taking a pause and just being like, "Wait a second, I'm here with my family. Yeah, I have time to practice now. I have time to just." Right. I have time to listen. I have to. I have time to go outside and practice Tai Chi and movement, and that has been amazing. Like mm, mm. it's, and you know, it's a, it's surprising that it's surprising, but mm-hmm. I think when you're so in a certain worldview and that pops, that's when these things become evident. Right, right. That's great. Yeah. And I guess there's two things that I would want to share, especially since this is about meditation. And so in relationship to meditation and mindfulness, Mm. I mean, the overarching thing I want to share is that meditation and or mindfulness won't necessarily help you at this time. So it's, that's, it's, it can help you, uh, but only under specific conditions, which I Mm. want to say a bit about. Yeah. Um, So the first one, maybe you could use this to set up the guided meditation, Jeff. I, I will. Okay. Definitely will. So the first one is we have to find a way to be authentically curious in the way that you and I have just been speaking about. You know, we have to we have to find a way to stand in a place where we're not just afraid of what's happening. We're actually curious about this at all kinds of levels. And, and if you think about it, This has never happened in our lifetime. It's really kind of fascinating. <laughs> what, yeah. what is going on? What are people thinking? What are we doing? And I realize this, there's horror and there's tragedy, and there's no reason to deny that. Um, but there also is a place to stand in curiosity uh, that's, that's both more personally beneficial, but also is, is going to leave you more available to respond to the situation if you're locked down in fear over it there's very little responsible you know you're very you're not very res- able to to respond uh in those circumstances so some way to find curiosity interest yeah. you know in in what's happening um i mean i guess a, a related thing to that is because we're of course experiencing a lot of fear you know as you said we all are and there's good reason to experience fear and it's important to separate the the fear which is which is fear about things that actually are true like fear about walking around outside and getting too close to people fear around visiting your grandmother you know after you've been uh somewhere that's public you know there's legitimate fears like i'm afraid to do that because something might happen i'm afraid to do this because something might happen and then there's more sort of um you know fears based on just things you've heard you know because you know there's positives and negatives to having 24-hour news cycles you know it's it's great for the dissemination of information it's also great for generating intense panic and fear yes Uh, (laughs) and you know you start to be fearful about things that may be tragic and it may be useful to feel tragedy tragic about it but it may not be useful to feel fear or it may be important to mitigate 
how much fear mm-hmm. you're giving to things mm-hmm. that are more abstract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two things together, you know, we, we need to learn to discern what, what fears are worthy of our attention and, you know, how can we be curious about what's happening rather than anxious about it? Um, That's awesome. One quick point on this. So our, our previous webinar, Dr. Jennifer Walken, who's a uh, clinical psychologist, she addressed a similar distinction and she categorized it as green zone anxiety and red zone anxiety. Mm. And, and she said, green zone anxiety, that's a normal, healthy level of anxiety that, you know, it's a motivator. It's, it's, an, it's part of being human. And then she talked about red zone anxiety, which I think uh, is getting catalyzed by a lot of the factors you just described. But she said that's when it starts to tip into unhealthy and traumatic levels of anxiety, which where you feel out of control. And right. <clears throat> so, yeah, I thought I found it very interesting when, when she made that distinction. That's a great distinction. Absolutely. And then this last point is probably the one that will lead us in, into meditation. And it has to do with the fact that, of course, from, from one point of view, of course, mindfulness will help, right? But uh, it's also true that not everyone who's practicing mindfulness is practicing it in a way that will help. Uh, because there's a very fine line between being mindful and being obsessively anxious. You know, so if you're incredibly anxious and you sit down to be mindful, you can just be obsessing over all your fears and anxieties and feel worse at the end of sitting than when you sat down. Um, And I guess this is, you know, this is what I would want to convey to people is that the place where you need to rest so that so that mindfulness will be helpful is is that place in you which isn't any of the things that you're seeing right so if you're sitting in a place where you're anxious and you're afraid and you're panicked and you're terrified and da 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 then when you sit in mindfulness you're just going to be more of those things so you need to find the place in yourself where you are aware of anxiety but you but you're not anxious mm. where you're aware of fear but you're not afraid mm. you know where so it's a place where you're not identified with the feelings and then you can start to just observe mindfully how how thoughts lead to anxious anxiety lead to fear lead to other thoughts lead to more and you can start to see how the mind works you start to realize fear and anxiety is not is something that just it just happens in the mind it doesn't happen to you there's there's one more step that you need to take which is identifying with that saying i am that thing that's happening and mindfulness can be a practice where you just rest in the place where you aren't your anxieties and you aren't the anxious person you're just the awareness that's aware of everything that's happening and you the more you rest and the more you rest in just the awareness that's aware that is itself never anxious never fearful never anything except calm and aware 
and then you can you can sink into that more and more deeply and you find a place in yourself that will always be there for you no matter what happens so no matter how challenging things get no matter how much anxiety and fear gets generated you can always step back into a place that's not denial right it's it's not a place where you're denying that these things are happening or denying the the challenge it's a place where you're just not identifying with it you're not making it you you're allowing it to be uh, and that is a practice that's worth doing every day you know if that's that's where your meditation is coming from if that's where your mindfulness practice is coming from then that's a good thing to do every day because then you're you're strengthening that part of yourself so i would invite everyone to sit and start by finding a comfortable upright posture and allowing your body to settle into a very restful stillness. This isn't about being rigid. It's about being still. It's not rigid like a tree trunk holding itself in place. It's still like a feather resting on the ground when there's no wind at all. It's not holding itself in place, it's just resting. So you rest your body Let go of any tension at all. So much fear and anxiety exists in the tension of our body. So even just relaxing physically will start to reduce the experience of anxiety. And breathe evenly in and out.
and just gently allow yourself to become aware of everything that's happening. Every bodily sensation, every passing thought, every emotion, every memory, whatever it is, you allow it to simply come and go. And as you are aware of everything that's rising and then every next thing, allow yourself to recognize that it's only awareness that is aware. Awareness itself is aware of everything. It's aware of every sound, every feeling, Awareness is aware of all of it. But it isn't any of it. Even if anxiety arises, the awareness is just aware aware of anxiety is no different than being aware of anything else. Keep allowing your body to relax.
you might find that a thought or feeling hooks you. It grabs you. It makes you start to feel like you're anxious or you're in danger. If something hooks you, all you need to do is unhook In order to unhook, all you have to do is realize that you were never hooked. You were simply aware of the hooking. You simply return to awareness. rest. You are the awareness that is aware of everything. It's aware of anxious thoughts, happy thoughts, It's aware of strategizing, planning. You are just the awareness. You're not doing anything. You're just aware. Aware of things being done. You are not the doer. As you rest in the awareness, notice how completely relaxed you become. If you can avoid being hooked, or if you can at least unhook, when you get hooked, more and more you will feel at rest and at peace. No matter what happens, 
the deep rest of pure awareness is a place you want to find in yourself and a place you want to spend time in. This is the inner core of your being. This is where you are never afraid, never anxious. You are simply aware. Aware of anxiety, aware of fear, aware of happiness, simply aware. When you are practicing mindfulness from this space of deep, relaxed, calm, when you are resting in a place that can't be moved, then your mindfulness practice will be powerful and helpful.
Okay, everyone, thank you very much for joining me in that practice. I hope it gave you some taste of a place inside you that is always at peace, always relaxed, always aware, but unaffected by anything that's happening, a place you can always return to. no matter how challenging things get. It's hard to stop. Someone asked if there was a beeping. I think it was a bird chirping. There, there might have been a bird chirping. I have a, uh, I have a little um, solar chime mm-hmm. that just is sort of very light ding. That might have been the beeping. It's mm-hmm. more of a, a nice little ting. <laughs> Not a beat, but more a ting. But uh, so I want to invite. I want to invite everyone. Um, does anyone have any questions? I can I can unmute you, so you can you can ask a questions, or you can or you can ask a question, or you can write in using the little chat function. Um, if you want me to unmute you, just raise your hand. Or if you're having trouble coming out of the meditation, you can just enjoy, yeah, as Laura Robinson said, the deep relaxation of pure awareness. So beautiful. So I have a question, and I, I'll pose a question to everyone. Did Was that awareness meditation is that new for you is that a new did you have a new experience and if so you know would you like to share it all right so laura i'm going to invite you on hi Hi. laura hi laura hi there Thank you so much for this incredible, perfect timing of this webinar because I hit my wall yesterday. Of, mm-hmm. um, I was doing really, really well. And uh, I have two, like, uh, anyway, we're all hunkered in here and just something hit yesterday where I just needed to get out and I felt myself not able to kind of maintain my buoyancy. Mm-hmm. So, and I do meditate, but I have a, 
I have a mantra, mm-hmm. primordial sound mantra, which I love, but this actually took me deeper. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I was not expecting that. And I, there's even stuff going around, like I'm in my kitchen and I got interrupted and I was the one that heard the beeping. So I thought it was from maybe from my daughter. I don't know. I just was like, are you guys hearing something? Maybe it's somehow from me. But um, I still was able to connect um, to what you were saying and how you were guiding us and felt a really deeper, like into the zero point something Mm. or other i don't know i just could i just went deeper so um i think maybe the mantra in a way is is a crutch or it's like it's not allowing me to really um feel feel as much i feel Mm. like it's it's muting my feelings or i don't know how long have you been doing your mantra practice I, i i got the mantra um when when i was pregnant with my daughter and she just turned 22 Okay. So it hasn't so. been like all the time, but I, 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 I always go to it if I need it. And I do <laughs> go through times and I've been much more consistent for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. but um, I find, you know, just the sense of mind wandering and um, coming back to it. And I love it, but I don't know, there was something about this today that something, a few things you said really, I can't even really verbalize it, but I felt mm-hmm. like I went deeper into my, my own uh, awareness. I think that's, that's what correct. it was. Awareness of being aware of your awareness. And mm-hmm. that is relaxing to just know it's not you. So right. there was less judgment, self-judgment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Really well, the big, the big challenge here, Laura, with practice, I mean, there's different ways you can think about it, but mm-hmm. one of the simplest ways is that it's easy for practice to get rote, right? To just yeah. be something that you're doing. Um, and what's beautiful about the practice that we just did is there's very little to get wrote about, you know, Mm-mm. because you're not doing anything. You're just being aware. Now, believe me, you can turn being aware of awareness into something you can get wrote about. That's also <laughs> possible. But when you're, I find, have found that when you're engaged in something, whether it be a mantra or counting the breath, or something that's more like an activity, mm-hmm. then sometimes when we're doing our practice, we're just sort of doing the activity, but we're not really meditating. Or yeah. we're not giving ourselves to the practice in the way that would be required for it to be opening. Because, you know, at least in theory, all these practices should be opening you into deeper realization. Um, mm-hmm. Also, sometimes also, just doing something that's different hits you in a way that you haven't been hit before and you find yourself in a different depth. So, mm-hmm. uh, But if you're feeling good about this, then it probably would be a good idea to experiment with it a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. I, it was just a couple, I don't know, it was really beautiful. And I, when you said, you know, that that phrase and then it's like a place you want to hang out Mm. and i i think maybe others are feeling that too that didn't like you said maybe people don't want to come out i had that feeling of and you know when things are pleasurable like it's like the pleasure of that feels like that's why you want to do it and as opposed to 
needing to or thinking you ought to do it or something. There was like a whole Absolutely. paradigm shift of like, I get to do that. I get to walk. I get to meditate. I get to have, spend time Definitely. still. And I loved the whole, I, the whole thing was really good for me. The whole feather, the feather mm. analogy, as opposed to being rooted or grounded. Like, I think I, I, you know, yeah, I, I think that be, have, the fact that it was new, but I mean, I really, well, this is really about took us on the journey. Right. And this is really about this. This is not about doing anything. Right. Meditation isn't a doing, which is why mm -hmm. sometimes it, it's very, because we're so achievement oriented, it's very easy yeah. for us to turn anything into a doing. Yes. Right. So meditation is, is really just a not doing. Yeah. You know, and it's, and so then, then it's a, it's a discovery of what's there before you do anything. Uh, and, and then what you discover is before you do anything, like get anxious uh, or whatever else you might be doing, mm -hmm. all there is is just peaceful awareness. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and what starts to feel so ecstatic about that, you know, and pleasurable mm -hmm. about it is because you realize, well, this peaceful awareness that I'm, resting into like a feather is not something i'm generating right it's it's something that's always there whether i'm aware of it or not it's always there and that's what starts to give you this sense of deep peace and relaxation yes. because it's like oh you start to realize it's okay everything's yeah. okay everything's okay yeah. and that's what we need now in, in a challenge like this we we need to find that place in ourselves where we know that in spite of how bad this is and how, you know, and we can, you know, we know it's true, you know, that life is still good, you yes. know, even under these circumstances. And you know that it's still good because when, when life is threatened in the way that it currently is, we don't just go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Life, life's terrible anyway. We mobilize. <laughs> you know, we try to avoid getting sick. We try to save as many people as possible, you know, right. because life is precious. Right. And, and this practice just brings you into sort of direct contact with the preciousness of just being. Uh, so that's beautiful, Laura. That, that, thank you. So beautiful. And thank you. Just grateful for the whole thing. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. That, that's great. I'm going to yeah. look at another question. And uh, <clears throat> thank you. So Nancy has, has written a question. Nancy's yeah. a name that, that I recognize. Hello, Nancy. It says, in order to help someone during this time of uncertainty, you're saying it's more advisable to not to try to teach them how to meditate or find the place that's aware unless they express a curiosity first. Absolutely, Nancy. I mean... It's very difficult to teach someone how to meditate if they're not curious. <laughs> I don't know how you would do it. Um, I mean, I suppose you could engage them in a conversation in which you inspire them to be curious. I mean, that would be your first job. But there needs to be an openness. Now, this relates to what I was just saying to Laura, and it relates to everything that I was wanting to convey. More important than the meditation practice than the instructions, whether you're doing a mantra or mindfulness or you're counting breath or what matters is where you're doing the practice from. So like 
we were just saying with Laura, doing it from the place where you're excited about it, where it's interesting, not the place where you think you should do it. Meditating from the place where you think it's good for you so you're going to force yourself to do it is never going to give you the full benefits of meditating, which is why for you, Nancy, if there are people that you think could benefit from meditation, the first thing you have to do is inspire them, probably through your own example, to be really interested in doing it. Because they, you need to be that interested in order for it to work. It, it, it won't work any other way. So, uh, so yes, that would be your first job. Don't try to teach meditation to someone who isn't already, I mean, I would say beyond curious, be great if they were really excited about it. Uh, so you should inspire them until they're actually really excited in the way that I'm sure some of you are, are experiencing now after we've been on the call for a few minutes. You're thinking, wow, this is kind of cool. I think I want to do more of this. Yeah. Nancy, we can, I unmuted you, so if you want to. Oh, good. Hey. Oh, I know. It's it's just, oh, look at my picture. That was like <laughs> Um, I just so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Jeff. And, and then, and then there's, you know, you see the suffering and you just want to share this other possibility mm. that, and you, you yearn for that, that peace that you know is available. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, but then the, you know, the, the, what you're saying is true that that if the other person is not even in the least bit curious, then, then how, how, no wonder it wouldn't land really. Right. And the most important thing for anybody, anybody who wants to bring more peace and equanimity into the world, the most important thing is that you are walking through this current situation, radiating, peace and equanimity in a way that people look at you and go, Oh my God, I want some of that. You know, like yeah. I'm panicked and anxious all day. And that person looks calm and okay. And, and not in denial, but very relaxed. And, and if, you know, if you can get, if you can radiate that, then that will naturally make people interested in something like meditation. And then you'll have your opening. Okay. Thank you. Thank Makes you, sense. Nancy. Thank nice, you. nice to hear your voice, Nancy. And nice to see the uh, the life is good in your eyes in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you too, Morgan. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, I know you have to get going soon. So, would you mind sharing with people a little bit about how they can follow up with you? So, for example... If someone wanted to go further and learn a little bit more about this approach, mm -hmm. what, what would they do? I mean, it's very easy to <clears throat> follow up with me because you just go to my website, which is jeffcarrera.com, uh, and you can download a free uh, you know, e-learning uh, e course on meditation. Um, there's other resources you can find there. Uh, there's also things you, you know, there's longer courses that you could buy. Um, but really, if you just go to my website, I've got a number of books. You can find those. 
um, there's plenty of stuff to follow up on. I'm, I'm really not hard to find uh, if you're looking. And I guess what I would <clears throat> want to say here at the end is that it's really important for us to find a way to rest in this deeper place in our being, in the place that's not reactive. You know, the, the big challenge of this moment is it's very easy to be locked in reactivity, you know, to, out of fear and anxiety <clears throat> to become reactive. And we need to be able to relax so that we're not so reactive so that we can then be responsible. And initially, that means that we're responsible for ourselves. We're responsible for doing the right things. We're responsible for taking care of ourselves, taking care of the people around us, you know, doing all the things we all need to know. And then once that's taken care of, and you start to naturally think that part of you that's that relaxed, that doesn't have a problem, as I often like to say, it's not consumed by its problem and its fears. It starts to naturally think, oh, what can I do? That's what you find is there's a natural human inclination in a situation like this. So the first thing you can do is take care of yourself. Because if you're not doing that, then not much more is possible. Then you take care of the people around you. And once that happens, you start naturally looking for what, what else can I do? And there may be things, there may not be things, but you'll be available, right? So I always say meditation to me is ultimately about a practice designed to make you available. And available means available to life. You're not preoccupied with your own problems and your own concerns. Uh, you're not overly burdened by anxiety. You're just present and you're available to respond to whatever life presents to you. And that's exactly what a situation like this calls for. As many human beings as possible who are available to respond in uh, the most appropriate ways to the current circumstance. So that's how I would want to end, Morgan. And, and also to thank you for uh, having me on and thank everyone who's here. Uh, and please do follow up with me. Like I said, I'm, I'm very accessible. So you can download anything, you know, anything that catches your eye on my website and you can uh, email me and tell me you heard this. Uh, ask me any questions you want. Um, I'm at home all day now. <laughs> so feel free. I'm just, you know, like everybody else, I'm at home minus my couple of walks. <laughs> I'm calling this the period of global monasticism. Uh, because I love it. We're all in our little monastery cells, so we might as well be doing practice. Amen. Jeff, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Morgan, and thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Jeff Carrera. If you did, I encourage you to go check out his website over at jeffcarrera.com. I will include a link to Jeff's website in the show notes and if you enjoyed the show please leave us a rating and a review I can't tell you 
what an enormous help that is for the show. It is the best way to help us expand our reach and get in front of new meditators. So please, if you like the show, if you enjoyed the guided meditation, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes over at Apple Podcasts. All right, and just a quick plug, you can also head on over to aboutmeditation.com if you enjoyed this guided meditation from Jeff. We have a self-paced course from Jeff Carrera on our website, and it's it's called the Problem-Free Meditation Course, and it's a great course filled with really delightful guided meditations, and I think you'll love it. If you like this interview with Jeff, you'll love the course, so head on over there and check it out. And that's it for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to sharing the next episode with you soon. Mm -hmm.